Hello and welcome to the Carolina Snowflakes podcast, where two Southerners come to terms with their liberal snowflake tendencies. We're your hosts. I'm Amanda. And I'm Jason. And we're here with this week's episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. This one's called Power to the Beeple. And Beeple, if you don't know, is a digital artist. He just sold a painting, and this was all in the news, uh, for $69 million. Yes. First off, 69, nice. Second of all, <laughs> nice. <laughs> second of all, that is an insane amount of money for a digital art piece. I've never heard of anything digital selling for anything like a million dollars, let alone no. 69 of them. It's kind of a big deal, too, because he sold it through Christie's. Christie's Auction House, which is a London-based... 225-year-old mm-hmm. auction house From out the of 1700s. London. Yeah. Yeah, that sells art, like really expensive, fancy art. And like this Picassos was, and shit. Yes, and this was the first time that they had ever sold digital art mm-hmm. so they were kind of taking a leap of faith and yes he was taking a leap of faith and the number we got was 69 nice million dollars <laughs> yeah which is insane i saw it everywhere and then i immediately wanted to know like what the hell how did this whole thing work i don't understand mm-hmm. how is that even possible because i can see the picture it's not like i can't go online and see the picture that was sold for that much money so what did he even sell right i think it's kind of hard to grasp how a digital image, meaning if I went to Google, I could just Google that same Mm -hmm. image and save it on my computer, download it, print it off, hang it on my wall. How is this being sold for $69 million? My original understanding of it or thinking about it was kind of like, maybe it's like, you know how people own songs? So like, you know, Paul McCartney owns Beatles songs. And right. like, I thought about it kind of like that in the sense of like ownership, but it turns out that's not exactly how it works at all. Yeah. yeah. But that was my instinct. I think that's, that's a lot of people's instinct. That's the way I went too, where I was like, oh, is it like copyrighted right. sort of protection or mm-hmm. something? Or is it watermark across yeah. it? Like, I'm like, stock photo? <laughs> that's what I thought too. But as it turns out, that's not it at all. It's a no. thing called NFTs. Or non-fungible tokens. NFTs, yeah. They also get called nifties, because NFT Mm. sounds like nifty. Uh So to start off with what an NFT is, the the easiest thing to do is to take the words uh, backwards, I think. So just talk token. You know what a token is. Mm. A token is something that you can... You can exchange for something else, just like you would get in an arcade. Right. A- it it has a, a value of representing something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a token. Fungible. Now, that's a word that you don't hear a lot. Fungible. I don't use that one regularly. <laughs> yeah. I admit. I thought it was related to fungus. <laughs> Turns out it is not at all related to fungus. <laughs> yeah. Fungible means able to replace or be replaced by another identical item. Mutually interchangeable. Okay. So, uh, fungible... Um, would mean anything you can exchange for anything else. So money, the money that we use, would be fungible tokens. That's mm-hmm. $1 is $1, regardless of which bill you have, right. or if it's in quarters and dimes, it doesn't matter. That's what would be we would consider fungible tokens to be. So these are non-fungible tokens. NFTs, that means NFTs, because there's an N for non. That means there's they're not copyable. There's only one. Mm-hmm. They're not actually physical tokens. Like Bitcoins, they are in a computer. They're blockchain technology. Right. So it's basically, a, again, the way I described Bitcoin was that it's a ball of math. Same principle here. Mm-hmm. It's a big ball of math. Right. It's inside you didn't, a computer. If you didn't hear, we, we did do a whole episode 
mm-hmm. on Bitcoin. The episode's called Nerdy Money. It's a good one. <laughs> if you want to go learn a little bit more about what Bitcoin is and how blockchain technology works, Jason gives a very good Aww. kind of layman's terms breakdown of how it all works. Oh, well, thank you. I thought I did all right. You did good. Uh, well, yes, I give a breakdown of it. I'm going to try to not go over all that here. Yeah. Um, so if you need a precursor, that would be the way to get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but NFT is kind of similar. It is. In how it is recorded mm-hmm. like the blockchain, like the Bitcoin mm-hmm. method. Yes. The idea of blockchain technology is that every inter- exchange is incorporated into the next copy. So it's impossible mm-hmm. to duplicate or to fake. Right. And the reason that this matters in this conversation about people is that this technology was used yes. in selling this piece of digital art. Mm-hmm. And that is what got me into this whole, trying to figure this whole thing out because I'm now trying to piece together, okay, so there's these things called NFTs or NIFTs. Mm-hmm. I kind of get what they are. They're kind of like Bitcoin, but not. Mm-hmm. And then you have this digital artwork. What's the connection? Right. Well, the NFTs can be connected to uh, digital media. So you could connect it to a video, you could connect it to audio, you could connect it to a JPEG image. Mm -hmm. That's what it was in this case. And what happens is that NFT being connected to that JPEG means you own it. It's Mm -hmm. basically a signal of ownership. In art world, it's called provenance, and that's Mm -hmm. where you know the history from the artist to the current owner. Right. It's like this all-encompassing little token Mm -hmm. that has information pertaining to who owns this piece, Mm -hmm. where it originated, Mm -hmm. who owned it before. And every time you trade it, that will get incorporated into the data, and so everyone will know. So Mm -hmm. you can't fake who the owner is. And also why this matters is because this is very new. Brand new. It's brand, brand new. Within months. And Yes. And there is speculation that this is kind of going to be a big deal. Yeah, and since this is all so new, it's all digital. And what's interesting about that is historically the provenance of a piece was like a huge part of its value and the the work that art curators did uh-huh. was to, to to go back and find all the documents of who owned this painting, find how it changed hands over and over and over again from the artist to the current owner to to give value to a piece and Sometimes that couldn't be done, which means there are, you know, Picassos and Van Goghs that may be just laying around that can't be proven. And in that case, it skews the value of the art because now it creates sort of a secondary artificial scarcity. And I think that creates inequity and inaccessibility into the art market because you have so many of these very valuable paintings and then every other artist isn't as valuable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think... This moving forward to a digital record keeping of provenance is going to open up the art world to be more equitable and like accessible to normal artists. And just to normal people. Because, yeah, because... As as potential owners of art. There's not this weird secondary scarcity that's put in by the physical job and labor of trying to prove the provenance of something. The record keeping. I think that's going to be really impactful for the art world. I think there's a lot, it opens up a lot and it's really... It's exciting, <laughs> you know. It's it's yeah. we're moving into the 21st century uh, because art has kind of been behind <laughs> in the in the in the modern times as far as like the same old frumpy people have been buying uh-huh. art. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that's not the way art should be. I think um, art is something that should be opened up to everyone. We should all be able to own art and pieces of art. And I think this might be a way to do it. And it's really neat. Just to give you more of a idea of how we would own it, because it's still kind of confusing. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I was going to talk about a company that everyone knows that is using the NFTs um, in a way, these non-fungible tokens, in a way that's pretty can relate to some physical things. And that would be the NBA. So the NBA has a program called NBA Top Shots. It's a website you can go to, nbatopshots.com. What it is, is like little videos, MP3 or MP4 videos of clips from NBA games. Like of like let's say LeBron James just dunking hard on somebody. Or, right. You know what I mean? Uh, a clip of any of the NBA players performing. And they have tokens attached to them. Um, these these NF- NFTs. These NFT tokens mm-hmm. that are attached to each one, and they sell them on this website, and you can buy them, and you then own a piece of that clip. So you buy the token, mm-hmm. and the token is attached mm-hmm. to this little clip or mm-hmm. video from the NBA. And for forever and ever, as long as you hold on to it, people can see... Who owns that clip? And hey, it's you. Um, That's all you really get from it. You're not going to make any money. You're not going to really, you don't really own it. It's not like you can go sell that clip in any real way. You could sell the token, but then you don't own it anymore. Someone else does. Right. And everyone in the world can see that you don't own it anymore. (laughs) Right. So there's sort of this drive anyway of of scarcity, quote unquote, when you get to be the one or the person who owns this thing. Yes. And what's interesting about it is it's created a market where they trade these NFTs for each other. So not unlike basketball cards or baseball cards, Mm -hmm. you own your little JPEG or your little MP4 of LeBron dunking. And you're like, I've got a LeBron dunking. (laughs) I will trade you. I will trade you for two of, you know, uh, any of the other players. I don't know a lot about the NBA and that's showing right now. (laughs) Uh, Making three-point shots or whatever. Uh And... But that, it's, yeah, the same kind of concept of mm-hmm. like when we were kids and you would buy baseball cards exactly. or you would buy a pack of um, some other collector's cards mm-hmm. and trade them with your friends. Yeah, the, this market, if you think is shouldn't be big, it's huge. So on NBA Top Shots, there's a they interviewed one guy who owns the most of them. He's invested $11,000 in his Top Shots and they're now valued at $65,000. But he could still, he could sell the tokens and yes, make that money. Exactly. Yeah. The value that he has is currently $65,000 mm-hmm. for his 11 that he spent mm-hmm. if he sells those. Right. So, I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a big upgrade. I mean, that's, he made $50,000 basically by just being the guy who bought those things, which is really nuts. And if you think like, why would anybody want that? I heard a good example of it. It was, it was, um, if you think about a painting in a museum, and sometimes you'll see there'll be a little plaque below the painting that says on loan from the Vanderbilt house or whatever. Right. Well, the, you yeah. want to be that guy. Yeah. There's a, it's like a clout, mm-hmm. uh, specialness. Uh huh. Everyone who say, goes this there, this is mine. Everyone who goes there and sees that one video clip can see it's owned by you. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's the value and it's created by basically collectors and they are trading these things and there's a lot of money in them a lot the way that the the trading works is fascinating too because the nba is getting a piece of every time you sell that token mm-hmm. and i'm sure lebron's getting a piece of every time you sell that because token because they are the original mm-hmm. creator slash owner of the piece 
the way this works is that person or persons or organization gets a cut every yep. time it's sold. Which is uh, convenient for the NBA, to yeah. say the least. Yeah. And what's fascinating about it is that like you can only really use them on those websites, but they still seem to have value. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think of it a little bit like um, like items in a video game. You know, people would pay money for a sweet piece of armor in World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. I guess it's the same thing. There's there's value in digital scarcity, which is a... And people wanting that thing. What a mind fuck that is, isn't it? Yeah. It's crazy. And so that ties into our man Beeple and the name of this episode, Power to the Beeple, because he used this NFT technology to sell his digital artwork... Mm-hmm. Through Christie's, and that's where he got the sixty-nine nice million dollars. <laughs> nice. So the first question I would would ask is like, what is in this picture that's worth sixty-nine million dollars? And it is a mosaic of five thousand other pictures that he made one a day for the last thirteen years. So he made a digital art piece every day for thirteen years. And put them on the internet. And he's been doing that. It's called his Everyday's Project. Mm -hmm. And when he decided he was going to sell something through Christie's with these NFTs, he thought, well, what should I sell? Well, I might as well just combine all these things Mm -hmm. into one big piece, which looks pretty on the surface by itself. It's one of those mosaics that's made of other paintings. Smaller pictures within. Yeah. Yeah, And he used a computer to arrange it so they look really cool. Yeah. Just aesthetically pleasing by itself. Mm -hmm. But kind of like a Jackson Pollock in that like abstract way but then you can zoom in and each little square is a whole picture which is pretty neat i mean it is amazing to see it's like a photo of the galaxy something that's like infinitely zoomable which is kind of badass by itself i mean i would think it was a really sweet thing by itself i think it's just to me fascinating to think that this person did this he made a piece of art every single day Mm -hmm. for For 13 years 13 years i cannot fathom Mm -hmm. (laughs) the motivation Mm -hmm. or willpower or insanity yeah it would take to do something like that yeah me either so i decided i wanted to figure out who this dude is Mm -hmm. so i heard some interviews and stuff and he is from south carolina yeah he lives he's a carolina person yeah they don't you're not going to find exactly where he lives. They say a suburb of Charleston. So somewhere in Charleston or mm-hmm. that area is where he lives. Mm-hmm. And he, his name was Mark Winkleman. And he went by the no, name. Mike. Mike. Sorry. Mike Winkleman. And uh, he went by the name Beeple because Beeple is like a toy, like a little kid's toy from the 80s. It looks like an Ewok and it blinks. And I don't know. I guess he likes them or something. And it's a better name than Mike Winkleman. Yeah. So he went with Beeple. But I think what makes him interesting is that he, so he was already an established yes. digital artist. He, I, yes. I mean, this wasn't like the first piece of art he ever did. No, he actually <laughs> did artwork for Lady Gaga. Yeah. He, and Justin he, Bieber. Yeah. He did digital artwork, VJ Loops, VR, AR. Mm-hmm. Um, he did uh, design work for. Justin Bieber, One Direction, Lady Gaga, yeah. Eminem, yeah. Katy Perry. So he would do album art or um, when they were on tour yeah. before COVID. Uh-huh. Um, he would do, you know, you know, you go to these big concerts the concert and they art. have all the yeah. visuals on this big screens and stuff. Yeah, he did a, a lot of that. Digital conceptual artist guy. He also did a lot of 
um, kind of corporate art. He mm-hmm. did um, digital art for or design work for Louis Vuitton, mm. Apple, Nike, Coca-Cola, and Pepsi yeah, so as well. Dude knows his shit as far yeah. as digital art for sure. Right. So he's been he's been around and, and this is what he does for, for a living. But he saw his own artwork that he made for his own pleasure from interviews I saw. He saw it as uh, he wasn't ever going to make money off of that. Mm-hmm. He thought the only way to make money off of art was doing what we just listed. Right. For, Working for these other entities. and Because digital art until now wasn't a way you couldn't sell it. You couldn't do anything with it. It was. Yeah. I mean, it was just it was you could sell it, but you had to sell it to the person who commissioned it. Basically, right. It wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to go on here mm-hmm. and sell my artwork because people, I mean, it's the 21st century. I can just go steal it. Yes. And use it for whatever I want to use it for. Right. Without paying the artist. But then he decided to get into this NFT thing. He heard about it, I guess, a few months before he did he it. He did. This is interesting, or at least I thought it was interesting. So the NFT stuff started kind of late 2020, like mm-hmm. fall or so. And he decided, along with the this guy from one of the NFT companies, yeah. to kind of do like a test run. Yeah. So he took some of his artwork, his pieces, and put them up for sale. For $1. For $1 a piece. Yeah. Using the NFTs. And I saw this interview with a girl who happened to be one of his fans, saw that he was selling a piece of his artwork for a dollar using this NFT. She had only heard about NFTs like literally the day before. Uh-huh. She went ahead, bought it, paid a dollar, now owns it. Uh And within a month, I think this was in February. So like within a month, that piece that she paid a dollar for now has value of $50,000. $50,000. Yeah. He said the day they were trading them, he made over $300,000. just Yeah. Because he gets a 10% cut Mm -hmm. of every trade. That's part of the way these NFTs work Uh is that the originator, the creator, the artist gets a cut mm-hmm. every time it's sold between yeah. people. So it started raining money on our man Beeple. Yeah. And he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I decided I'm going to go look at some of his artwork. It's amazing. It is really interesting. It's some of the best art I've ever seen as far as digital art goes. It's described as a mix of sci-fi meets pop culture meets political satire. Yeah. And that really is kind of what it is when yeah. i was looking through his pieces he's on instagram by the way yeah and i was looking through two million his, on instagram two million followers on instagram mm-hmm. um i jotted down just kind of what came to mind as i was looking at the pieces and i wrote down social commentary references to industrialization the dependence of humans on technology and the taking over of humans by that technology yeah. there's a lot of like robot violence on people <laughs> yes it's just like dystopian sci-fi yeah. future political corruption post-apocalyptic global warming mm-hmm. social media greed and then he gets he does he has some pieces that are more targeted specifically to some really important people. He's got several that are like Elon Musk. Yes. Naked and rippled in muscles uh-huh. with a doge. Yes. You know, the the dog that's the, the doge meme. Yeah, he loves the doge. <laughs> He's got one uh, of Jeff Bezos, the uh-huh. Amazon guy, as a giant octopus yeah out in the ocean basically destroying the world that one's called the release the bezos it's like a giant Be- jeff bezos head as a kraken yeah it's, it's awesome really fascinating i think one of my favorite ones is called uh, i think it's called trump train and it has 
a train wreck and it says Trump train on the side of it and Donald Trump's sitting on top of the train naked eating <laughs> eating a hamburger yep. and the wreck is being caused by coronavirus. Yeah, there's coronavirus, there's the little viruses all over this wrecked train yeah. that Trump is sitting up on. He's got a few different pieces where he incorporates Trump imagery and oh, Trump's yeah. always like super obese yeah. and naked. And naked, yeah. <laughs> like in all of the pieces. He has naked. a lot of naked Buzz Lightyear's. He has a thing yeah. with naked Buzz light years. Yeah. He also has one where he made Mark Zuckerberg look like a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. So just a lot of like political, mm-hmm. satirical commentary on social movements. Yeah. But it's not all that. Some of it is just sort of digital sci-fi yeah, futurescapes. There's, yes. There's a lot of that where you would be like, is this a movie? <laughs> yeah. It's just a sci-fi futurescape, but it looks very, very cool. I mean, like he's super good at it. I think what you and I both found most interesting or one of the things that we found most interesting about this guy is that you look at his artwork, you read about what happened with the sale of this one piece mm-hmm. for $69 million and you kind of create this image of him in your head. Yeah. And then you go see him in the interview <laughs> and he doesn't look anything no. like what you expect. He's nothing like that at all. Mm-mm. He looks like Bill Gates. Straight up, he looks like Bill Gates. He wears like a sweater vest. Mm-hmm. He has He's his glasses. Very clean cut. Clean cut. Kind of nerdy. He's stiff like Bill Gates. He has the mm-hmm. mannerisms of Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. But the political opinion that we share yeah which is i think is why we were so attracted to his work in the the first place but then so he looks not the part but as soon as he opens his mouth (laughs) yeah out comes this like very aware Uh social lefty Uh uh-huh uh, stick it to the man. Yep. Down with corporation. Capitalism is, uh, you know, overblown. Yeah. Like just kind of f you. Yeah. Kind of kind of anarchy rich. sort of guy. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. So this is from the Atlantic, and it was in 2011. Okay. So this was shortly after he began the everyday the everyday project, okay. and they were talking to him about that, and he said, "Art is like taking a dump." <laughs> It's not always fun or convenient, but it's something you got to do every day. (laughs) And you shouldn't get too hung up if the product looks like a piece of crap. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's very him. Yeah. So I found that super interesting, too, that he's just so, like, down to earth. Oh, yeah. And in one of the interviews, he specifically said, like, I... He's like, I don't like the term artist. Uh He's like, I find it pretentious. (laughs) You know, he's like these these people who go around being like, oh, darling, I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, fuck him. Yeah. (laughs) Gotta love a guy like that. Yeah. And then he did an interview just last year with The Verge. So he had continued on with this everyday project. Mm -hmm. And I thought this was interesting. So the... The, the writer, the author of this interview included kind of what his studio looked like uh-huh. when they were interviewing him. And they said he had side-by-side 65-inch televisions tuned to CNN and Fox News. Wow. Because he's like a diehard news junkie, uh-huh. super into politics, etc. Uh-huh. So he had both of them next to each other, one CNN, wow. one Fox News, God. just absorbing Your it all. Your brain would be exploding. And then he had his computers actually suspended above a bathtub because their 12 combined graphics cards generate too much heat. Yeah. Like intense. Uh-huh. So isn't that nuts? Yeah. And then in that interview, 
he said, he talked specifically kind of about his aesthetic and he said, quote, I'm not somebody who thinks the world is ending. Everything's just going to turn to shit and we're going to be huddled on the ground eating fucking mud 20 years from now. (laughs) A lot of the themes I explore are trends in society that I'm taking to the nth degree, imagining them continuing to get more extreme and ridiculous over the course of 50 or 75 years. So he was like trying to explain that Although a lot of his imagery and his art that he creates seems so dystopian and like kind of depressed, Uh (laughs) he's like, I'm myself, I'm not depressed. He's just like, but I do see this potential Mm -hmm. for all these bad things humans will do to themselves. Right. It's kind of, it's interesting because it's kind of subversive. He reminds me of Banksy in that way. If you're familiar with Banksy as an artist, he's also very subversive. He sold a painting for millions of dollars that instantly shredded itself. Yeah. When the when the guy yeah. bought it. There was that one. There's also the one that they set on fire yeah. when it was sold. When it was sold, they set it on fire. So Banksy's yeah. the same sort of thing. And yet it's hilarious because he's trolling these people, yet they eat it up and buy it. They love it. But what makes this what makes people, I think, cooler is that he's accessible. Yeah. Unlike Banksy, who you never see you and is never French. See him and yeah, he's French. But Beeple's from South Carolina. Right. And he's accessible and real. And I like the fact that he doesn't seem to take himself too seriously. Mm -hmm. One of his kind of selling points that I... I like is that he's he not only satirical but he's self-deprecating yeah like he'll talk smack about himself (laughs) and be like "Eh, yeah it's it's whatever what's funny to me though is that the the pieces are so complicated it's clearly he's using um, 3D programs and then Photoshop yes yes. and he is also very talented obviously yeah but I think you would need a lot of computing power to render the the things that he makes to render that kind of thing you need a lot of computing power because it's very yeah. high 3D graphics mixed with Photoshop. Yeah. Here's a little interesting tidbit. So after this Christie's sale, this makes Beeple the third most expensive living artist in the world. In the world. <laughs> That's incredible. Christie's actually uploaded on YouTube a video from the auction mm-hmm. of him watching the auction because this this, you know was all happening over zoom because Mm -hmm. of covid so he was kind of live feeding into them and Uh they were live feeding back to him and they were recording yeah so they have actually him sitting on the couch his wife his his in-laws and kids all watching this piece that had started at (laughs) a hundred dollars yeah we hadn't mentioned that part i was saving that bomb so this thing that sold for 69 million he started the bidding at 100 dollars christie's didn't know what to expect this Uh was brand new for them to try to sell and he didn't really know what to expect and so they happened to because it was all online Uh zoom feed they were able to actually capture him and his reaction and his family just Mm -hmm. watching the bidding go up Uh 25 million 50 million (laughs) 69 million dollars and like just the exuberance and the joy and excitement and thrill from his family and from him made me go like okay this guy Uh he's real and he's decent (laughs) he's a decent person yeah cool i'm so glad and it just decided to rain money on him 
And yeah. And I just think it's super interesting that like now Christie's is doing this. Yes. They've they've picked up some other artists that yeah. they're now selling the same way. And other auction houses are also mm-hmm. using this new nifty NFT way of selling digital art. It's kind of opened up yes. the possibilities. Yeah. I don't know where this is all going to go. No one does. It's all brand new, but it's fascinating. And I really wanted to make sure we talked about it on the show because, wow. Yeah, I know. It's, it's super interesting. One of the things, though, this is kind of sort of a catch and could be the thing that brings it down a little bit is that at least for now, the bulk of the people who are engaging in the NFT transactions are crypto guys are, yes, they're the Bitcoin kind of guys. They're the crypto guys. They're not yeah. art people. Right. Exactly. You know, they're but not. But they got enough money. Well, they made their money with Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> so they have the funds. But it's kind of like, is that falsely inflating the potential? Who knows? Who knows? But it is a thing that's happening currently. I mean, I heard people say that he thought that it was going to get attached to a bunch of crap and that that was going to lower the market. But he thought that it also was going to get attached to good things. And once all the crap gets sorted out, it'll be like anything else. So right. hopefully that's the way it happens. Right. So there, it might be a bubble in the sense that there'll be too much money in it to start with, but maybe it'll settle down and become the way to do things for people, artists who are very good. So we'll see. Yeah, I think he, I just think he's cool. Yeah. And I'm happy for him. I think that is awesome uh-huh. that, that, he he had that experience. Yeah. That's cool. In South Carolina. In South, yeah, sitting on a couch in South Carolina. Woohoo! He made $69 million from his piece of digital art. Awesome. Well, you know, people did a digital art piece every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been doing a digital art piece every week for, I don't know, like nine months or something, right? For this podcast. For this Carolina Snowflakes podcast, and uh, they're all available on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, by the way, if you haven't yet. We're at Carolina Snowflakes. And those are pretty good. And one day, hopefully soon, I will put some NFT tokens to attach to them things. And maybe you guys out there in the snow globe could buy a piece. Yeah, you could own your very own piece. Of Carolina Snowflakes art. Yes, that was made by me. And it's also mostly political and satirical. Mm -hmm. And uh, if when we explode one day and become like famous like the like the Beeples did. Yeah. Then um You'll you, own that token. Yeah, and you listening to the show will have paid rewards of financial success. That's what <laughs> I'm listening I hope. to this show will have paid off. <laughs> it will have really paid off. Not just impressing your friends and family with how smart you are and how woke you are, <laughs> but also with a lot of money. Right. From non fungible tokens. <laughs> fungible. Yeah. <laughs> So if you want to see where our episodes are kept, they are kept on our website. Carolinasnowflakes.com And if you want to see people talking about fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens, there's a group on our Facebook talking about things like that. Facebook.com forward slash Carolina Snowflakes. And if I was completely wrong about what fungible tokens are and non-fungible <laughs> tokens are, and this was all just a bunch of shit, or if you're people and you're listening and you want to reach out, send me an email privately. Carolina Snowflakes at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.